this week in cyberspace. This week in cyberspace, we cast our gaze forward a fortnight to the second US Summit for Democracy, which takes place in Washington from March the 29th to 30th. Access Now is co-leading the Technology for Democracy cohort in partnership with the UK and Estonian governments. And as the organisation's CEO, Brett Solomon will be there. Tell us about this. It's a coalition of over 150 civil society, government and private sector organisations across 40 countries. I mean, how do how you do coordinate <laughs> such an incredibly massive, unwieldy beast? Well, the thing is that a few years ago, when Biden came into power in the US, he, I mean, for many years, he's been talking about democracies, but he said if he came into power, he would host this summit for democracy. And so obviously pandemic, blah, 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 last year's one or 20, the uh, first one in 2021 was largely online. This year's summit uh, is happening physically and online in DC, as you said, March 29, March 30. And it's basically Biden's attempt to respond to the rise of authoritarianism and dictatorships and bring together a coalition of countries and civil society organizations to stand firm for democracy. Now, there's quite a lot of irony in that, I would say, as well, because many people would argue that, you know, the US, as we've seen over the last years, uh, including with the previous president, you know, showed the weakness of its democracy and perhaps also its resilience as well, um, given that, you know, it's still a democratic country, you still have proper elections, etc. Um, but Biden decided that he's going to, you know, have this, this event. Now, part of that um, has, um, as from, from a few years ago, they decided they'd have all these, as you said, cohorts. And one of the cohorts is like, how do we bring technology to protect democracy? How do we bring technology to stand firm for democracy? And that's what my organization is doing in this coming uh, summit going forward. I think um, it's really interesting that the governments of Estonia and uh, the UK yeah. are involved. What yeah. makes them so democratic? What sort yeah. of sets them apart and sort of places them as leaders in this sphere? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so Estonia has got a very long history now of, of kind of e-democracy. You know, they're, they're the um, the country that's kind of pioneered the with a number of others as well, like India, for better or worse, have pioneered the idea of how to kind of have technology as the interface between the citizen and the state. So like all the basic social services are provided online. Um, you've got digital identity, which, you know, again, is a very interesting concept, particularly when they're using biometrics and raises a, a range of different human rights concerns. But in terms of, you know, kind of efficiencies and you can, you know, you can do everything online through the portals um, that the state provides. And so that's Estonia, um, you know, really a pioneer in this world of e-democracy. Because a lot of people don't trust the government to collect their data. I mean, look, look what happened um, with so many different organisations that and government kind of um, databases. Government databases, government surveillance. Like, that's why when we think about, you know, this, this week in cyberspace, we're talking about democracy and technology it's why it's so important to think about the very essence of that which is data you know data protection how do we ensure that our data is safe and secure our right to privacy our right to privacy instance. and it, exactly now i think that we forget how important privacy is 
as the basic tenant of a democracy. You know, we know study after study, people behave differently when they're being watched. Um, of course. Of course. You know, there's a reason why we have curtains on our on our on our houses and, and no no lights no lycra dance yeah. parties well that too <laughs> <laughs> but you know which but we so so data is at the center of it as you say people are very nervous about states governments having control of having control of their data having access to their data questions about consent um, and so this is like when we think about contemporary democracy and the Europeans kind of did this first they understood that you needed that that um, data um, protection of personal data is a human right. And so when we think about what makes for a democracy, it is the protection of your rights. Therefore, in contemporary democracies, we need to have protection of data. And this is one of the things that's going to be discussed at this summit. And one of the reasons why I'm going to, to DC is because it's really important when we project forward, what does a democracy look like in the 21st century? There's multiple elements to it that are as essential. We know that the election you know, is the hallmark of a democracy, a fair election where everybody gets to vote and participate. But what, is what does an election mean in the context of disinformation, you know, mm. which we've seen in the US, where people are receiving information which isn't necessarily correct or accurate and they're using that as the basis upon which they vote. So you've got three working groups focusing on this issue. Um, technology to support open and secure access to the internet is one of them. I mean, this is sort of as opposed to internet shutdowns. We've talked a lot about this on This Week in Cyberspace. Um, like the blockade in Ethiopia's Tigray region. It's just interesting how you deal with those kind of countries. Because yeah. when you say, you you know, Biden wants to have a, a summit or a, a group of people to come together, nations to come together to address this, what doesn't the United Nations do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that part of its well, it, challenge it, it or is. charter? I mean, you know, the, the, the UN charter and the UN, the kind of the, the principles that underpin the UN are about bringing together all governments, you know, are about bringing together all close to 200 states to be able to, you know, make decisions or develop new norms or pass new like international treaties, whether it be on climate change or whether it be on the postal service or whether it be on technology. Um, the thing is that um, is that the UN is made up of lots of non-democracies, right? It's made up yeah. of it's made up of Cuba and China and Russia and Saudi Arabia, etc. And so, and we're seeing this increasing tr trend towards dictatorships and autocracies and state control. So so I think this is an attempt from what I understand from the US administration under Biden to say actually that there is a need for like-minded states to come together and talk about what does a democracy look like. I'm really pleased that this technology piece is part of that. You mentioned the issue of internet shutdowns. Um, it's true there was what 187 internet shutdowns uh, in 35 countries last year. We just Access Now just released our report on that. Wow. 187 internet shutdowns. And what's really interesting is that when we think about another hallmark of a democracy is your right to protest. Mm. Right. So there were 62 internet shutdowns in 16 countries that happened as a result of protests that were going on around the world. So governments are using internet shutdowns to stop shut for, to stop protest 
to stop protests from taking place. And if the protest, again, is an essential part of a democracy, then you see that governments are using technology to limit people's ability to be able to protest, to be able to express their opinions, etc. So again, it's like when we think about democracy in the 21st century, we need to make sure that people have continuous access to the online sphere. And, and, and authoritarian states are attempting to take that away. So another working group is harnessing the potential of technology for the benefit of open democratic societies. So yeah. this is um, to the do positive with side. the positive side, privacy enhancing technologies, PETs, yeah, yeah. PETs, uh, like online voter registration for people with disabilities, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, often we talk about what is like the negatives of technology. Technology is, you know, dissolving democracy, that technology is threatening political participation. I think it's really important for us to also think about the way in which technology is and enhances democracy, enhances political participation. How do we know what our candidate stands for? We look at their website. You know, how do we know what, how a person is voted? You know, a, a parliamentarian is voted. You know, we go to their social media feed. We go to their Twitter account. So you know, it's it's an incredible way in which to limit the space between citizens and their elected representatives, and also the and government. So I think, you know, when we talk about the negatives, it's really important to think, okay, how do these technologies enhance our political participation? One of the things that you mentioned there is about privacy enhancing technologies. That's why encryption is also such an important part of a contemporary democracy, because it protects information that's only meant between the between two people or between two parties. So if I send you an encrypted message, I send it to you with the key and you open it as you're the only person who's meant to read it, not, you know, the state or a spy agency in between. And so, you know, we do need to think really proactively about what technologies enable and enhance people's participation in democracy. And how does civil society, activist groups, you know, democracy advocates, how do they use technologies to, to, um, to make sure that the state is accountable to them? So just on a side note, we yeah. in New South Wales do have an election this Saturday, so don't forget to vote. Get out there, vote early, vote often, as they say, uh, in I'll the vote flesh. Once. <laughs> don't vote often. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that was always a, a, a fun little pun. But um, getting on to the third working group, it's Technology for Good Governance, mm. which um, aims to showcase examples of open and secure digital infrastructure mm. that enhance government government transparency mm. so we yeah. can then access information that's what I was about kind them. Of, yeah, that's what I was referencing before. I think, you know, often um, what makes for a bad government is a non-transparent one. Um, and having access to government data is essential. I mean, it's kind of what Assange was saying, you know, like for better or worse, Assange was saying there's all of this information that's been kept by government and being kind of put under classified, you know, categorization so that it couldn't be released. And he was, he was calling for the freedom of information and particularly access to government information, which is really, many people would argue, that data is owned by the population, not well, necessarily yeah. by the state. They work for us, right? They, they work for us. <laughs> we so, pay them taxes. <laughs> and, and exactly. And, and, you know, information that 
is being held by governments, whether it, it be, you know, government like the parliament or whether it be government agencies. Or the voting record. Or the voting record, all mm. of that. Like, so we can use technology and we have used technologies to call for that, to ensure accountability, to ensure transparency and um, to be able to judge um, governments on their past records, on their voting records. Um, and so, I mean, obviously certain data, certain information needs to be kept classified on national security grounds, for example, but only the stuff that really needs to be kept um, classified. The rest of the information should be available to the citizen. And that's, again, another example of the way in which technology can en enhance democracy and can enhance our ability to participate in democracy, which often, or in government, which often seems so far away. You mentioned that there's a New South Wales election happening here in this state in Australia. On Saturday, um, On yeah. Saturday. And, you know, we have compulsory voting here in, in Australia. Really important that people check out who their candidates are, see what they stand for, make sure you match your candidate with what you believe in. So the Summit for Democracy uh, Year of Action concludes in the first half of 2023. Does this mean that this event in Washington marks the end of this Summit for Democracy? I, I don't know, to or be honest. I think, it's, I think it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully democracy has a future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that we need to, you know, a lot of people say like democracy is the worst, best government form of government that we have. Like, but you know, there's so many problems with democracy. We see it here in Australia. We've seen the absolute tattering flapping edges of you know american democracy and also the rhetoric that is around democracy as well by george bush and others like we're going to bring democracy to the rest of the world but when we think when we come back to its basics like how do we ensure human rights are protected how do we ensure that we have the right to freedom of expression how do we ensure that the media is open and free um, how do we ensure that there's integrity around our around our elections. These are all the hallmarks of a democracy. And so that's why I think, um, you know, whether it's an ongoing um, program or whether it halts this year, it's really essential that we as citizens stand firm for this form of government, this form of democracy, this form of political participation, because it really is at risk right now. Like we've seen, I, I don't have the figures at hand, but you can see the numbers of people, if you add, you know, Russia, plus China, plus, you know, all the a number of other nations that have large populations, 50 or 100 million people. We're actually, it, we're not living in a, in a democracy majority around the world. We're actually living in a minority. And, and also why it's important that we shine a light on those governments that say they are democracies as well. Because these are the ones that have kind of got the headline of democracy, like India. Yeah, for I was instance, about to say, which India. We've, which we've, we've talked about we as well. We have, we have. And, and yet... It is really tilting towards authoritarianism and, uh, you know, has had the most internet shutdowns, I think, hasn't it? That's correct. As a country over the it has. last period of time. It has. And we also talked about the blocking of the, the video, um, which was about Modi. The Modi doco. Which is, you know, censorship BBC again doco. isn't like what we're seeing in sort of, you know, the dicta digital dictator's playbook is like this incredible power to censor this incredible power to withhold information. Um, control the population. Information control, mm. exactly. So lots of fun stuff, um, <laughs> <laughs> lots of important stuff um, at, at hand. And I think, you know, technology is challenging all of our institutions. It's challenging the, the, the institution of democracy. And I think we need to move democracy, you know, in democracy 2.0 or democracy 3, you know, into this next phase. Mm. Um, because if we don't, we will end up in a censored, mon monitored, surveilled, militarised 
digital environment and if that's where our world is and where we operate that's also where our political systems are and of course we don't want that we want an open uh, available safe secure interoperable um, democracy and so that's what we're aiming for fabulous well thank you very much for taking that message to washington <laughs> on behalf of us all brett <laughs> solomon uh from accessnow.org um good luck to you and power you. to your arm yeah thank you so much 